Cool. I'm really excited to share um, the word with you today. Nice one. Thank you very much. Look at that. You've got a little tray. Don't have this in Portsmouth. <laughs> wow. Little tray bolted on. Beautiful. But um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to share the word with you. Um, often when it comes to me um, sharing a word, I feel like I know I'm going to be asked to share because God will drop something on me and I start to feel a stirring in my spirit. Um, and that's what God did. Um, but before I share and go into the word, I want to share two images that I had this morning. Um, I left for Portsmouth, uh, left Haven't, because I'm living currently in Haven't at the moment, um, at 6.30 this morning to go and help set up Portsmouth, because um, obviously there's a lot to set up there. For those that know, you know. Um, there's a lot. <laughs> and I, as I was on my way back, um, it was windy, right? I don't know if it's windy now. It was windy. I honestly thought I was going into the field on the A27. I was holding on, like, please don't. There was leaves going everywhere, and I'm like, it's not even a tree in sight. Why are there leaves everywhere? But anyway, I was, and I was, as I was going along, I just felt a stirring, and I heard like God say that old things are going to get blown off. Old things are going to get removed. You know, seasons change, don't they? We live in a very seasonal country. Seasons change in this country. And I just felt like God said things are going to be blown away today. So prepare your heart. Whatever you've come in here today, know that God is at work. God is already preparing you. You're here for a reason. And I believe things are going to change as, as even as the word is spoken. Remember, it's not me speaking. It's the word of God that changes and transforms lives. But the second word, the second picture I had is as I was driving here. And as I started coming down Botley Drive, I had a picture of one of those old school, like, kind of torches. You know, like, in the, like, I mean old school, old school. Like, back in the day, Tudor times kind of thing. You know, like, one of those lanterns that they set fire to and they walk. But I saw, like, a lighter... Not that they had lighters in the Tudor times, I don't think. I don't know how they did it. But I saw a clipper, you know, one of those kind of lighters. And I saw it almost like it was not a light, but it was trying to be a light. And I felt like God was saying that's many people's lives at the moment, like trying to be sparked, but it's just not happening. But God's saying there's a fire coming. And it's going to cause you to come alive and a light and cause you to not only be alive and a light, but be a light for other people. And that light is going to come alive today. I feel that. The enemy cannot have his way. God is victorious. Amen. I thought I should share all of this before I get into the word. (laughs) Praise God. But let's pray. I just want to pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. That, Lord, ultimately it's your word that brings transformation, brings challenge causes us to stand up and say, actually, Lord, I want to be different. I want to live according to your word. Father, I pray that as I speak today, let your word go out. Don't let it come back void because your word says that it wouldn't. Father, I thank you that the enemy has no hold. Right now, we rebuke him and ask him to leave in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that right now your word would bring absolute transformation into wrong thinking, bound thinking, chains broken in Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic. So, as I said, I was, um, God often drops something on me, and I was reading um, the Bible a few weeks ago now, and um, a word jumped out of me, a word that was kind of, I kind of knew this word, and um, knew it for the wrong reasons, but I knew this word. Um, and it was, as I was reading the Passion Translation, the Book of Romans, I was just reading, you know when God jumps out at you, like a word hits you in the face, then like whack, you're like, and you can't carry on reading the Bible. You feel like even if you do, you're ignoring everything that you're reading because you're still thinking on that thing. That's a sign you should stop, by the way, if you're reading the Bible. Just go back and God's trying to speak to you. Um, and that word was acquitted. Acquitted. And I was like, what kind of is a weird word? You know, often God uses words. You think, I don't even know properly what that means, God. Like, what is this word? 
So I was like, well, how am I going to speak about this? Because I don't even know really what it means. And then that's what happens. God takes you down this beautiful journey where you're starting to see what he's trying to say. And I'll just quickly share what acquitted means. It means to be set free, release or discharge as from an obligation, burden or accusation, to absolve one from an obligation or a liberty or to legally certify the innocence of one charged with a crime. When I read what it meant, I thought, ah, I see where you're going, God. I see what you're going. I see where you're going. You know, if you're in court and you're facing some kind of trial, this is the word you want to hear at the end. This is the one you want to hear, trust me. You don't want to hear the other one, you want to hear this one. Um, Because obviously the other one, you're going to hear two words often given at the end of a court hearing, right? It's either going to be not guilty or guilty. And uh, not guilty means innocence. And what does it mean to be innocent? Well, it means to be acquitted. You have been acquitted, and everything that acquitted means is yours. But if you're going to be found guilty, then you're going to be condemned. Condemned, all it means is sentenced to a punishment. That's the reality. If you're stood there, and I've stood there, and I'm going to share a little bit quickly. I remember standing in court 14 years ago. And for those that don't know, I'm not a bad person now, but I was. Like I, was a, I don't want you thinking some madman's up here, got the microphone. <laughs> I, um, I got saved 13 years ago in family church and my life was radically changed. But prior to that, life was chaotic. Could relate it almost to like EastEnders, just madness every day. There was drama. It was like, oh no, episode 156, what's happening today? It's kicking off. And that's what my life was like. It was like a constant drama. And it was just like, I didn't know how to stop it. I didn't know how to control it. But anyway, one of these incidents of many led me to standing in court in a little dock with... Um, People, you know, like you have in court. And I couldn't get this a word acquitted because what they were holding up was a 10-inch kitchen knife because I'd been caught with the knife in a public place and I couldn't really get free from that because it was like, well, you have the evidence right there and I'm stood here in the dock. That is not a lot I can do. And I was found guilty. Who here has ever found themselves, maybe not like in that circumstances, but found themselves feeling guilty? Feeling guilty, maybe found themselves acting guilty in a way where you know you've done something wrong because that's all guilty is it means culpable of or responsible for specified wrongdoing it's doing wrong this is what guilty does this is what guilty is sorry it's about being found doing something wrong according to the law of the land and the law of whatever you're living to this is what being guilty is and there's this moment again i'm reminded in the word where god took me in genesis 3 from 6 to 13 verses 6 to 13 we see the guilty plea enter humanity. And it's this moment that actually defines our kind of history as human beings. You know, often they're not going to talk to you this in history lesson. They never mention Adam and Eve in history lesson, right? They don't do that. They just don't do it because they don't accept it and maybe they just don't see it in, as relevance. But to me, it's the most relevant thing to our society today. Because as we read it, listen... When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And this is the bit. The eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord the Lord God, and he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And, and, and he hid 
Sorry, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some from the fruit of the tree, right? Yeah, laugh. made me laugh when I read that, thinking typical. She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And then the woman says, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. And I think, ah, oh, this is classic. This is society in general right now. You can look at this and think, oh, it's a bit weird. It's a bit odd going on. But this is society right now. There's three things that I see in this. First, it, Eve started with a desire of what? Things and knowledge. That's how it starts. Because it's a desire, not for God, but for things and knowledge. When we live in society, when you, you only have to go out there, turn on the TV, go through schools, listen to the... Their desire is for things and knowledge. Can I know more? Can I know more? You know, we're sending spacecrafts. I don't know where in the galaxy, and I don't know what they're doing up there. But it's to gain knowledge and understanding. Knowledge and that is just a part of the human nature. The second thing that I noticed that's so obvious in society is this is desire to cover up. You know, right? We cover up stuff. Oh, got that wrong. Don't let no one know. Cover it up. It's not wrong because it's part of the human nature of who we are. It's wrong if you're following God, but. Don't look at yourself and think, why am I doing that? It's innate because it was given to us because of what had happened at the beginning. And the third thing, which is the funniest of all, and we started laughing when, we saw, when, when I started reading it, it's blame culture. Yeah. Blame culture. Oh, it's hilarious. When you've got kids, those who have got kids, you'll, this is a funny game to play. You'll often walk into a room, my kids especially, and there'll be chaos and you're looking going, what just happened? And then it's this game called blame. They did it. She did it. He did it. And bless little Jeremiah, my little boy. He stood there like, oh, I didn't do it, but he's getting blamed. He's getting blamed for all of it. But it's hilarious because we look and think, why are you doing this? But you can't say that because it's part of the DNA of who we are. Because we are born with this desire for some reason, for knowledge, for, for covering up our guilt, for, for then blaming when we're guilty. And, um, we, you know, you can look at this like a criminal running away. We look at them like, oh, look, terrible people, look what they've done. Are they not just acting as Adam did? Yeah. Isn't that what a criminal does? They, they make a bad decision, they're guilty, they try and cover it up, and then they start blaming everyone. Oh, I didn't do it, it was him. I didn't do it, it was him. That is just for me saying, yep, everything in Genesis 3 I'm seeing. Yeah. You say the Bible's old. No, 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 it's very relevant. I'm looking out here. You can walk... <laughs> Um, probably to my house, the other side of Lee Park at the moment, and you will see this stuff going on. It's very normal. People covering up stuff. Oh, I didn't do that. Do you know what I mean? It's just the reality of society. Humanity itself. Remember, Adam means man, human, humanity, us, people in this room right now. We're born into bondage and separated from God. Nothing we can do about that. We're born that way. Don't have a choice, unfortunately. That's the mistakes that Adam made. And I often look at Adam, and you, you might do this one and think, why did you do it? But I'm thinking, Sean, don't be silly. You would have done it much worse. Do you know what I mean? I'd have been shaking that tree. Get them all down. <laughs> Shake them down. Get them off. Barrow. Barrow running down the thing. But because we sometimes think, don't we, that we would have got it right. You know, children of Israel. Why didn't you just listen to God? How often do we listen to God? Come on. We, 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 we sometimes got to get ourselves in this picture and realize that we are just the same as them. Because why? Because that DNA is in us. It's the DNA of humanity. There's only one person that makes a difference in this. See, Adam was able to hear from God in the normality of life. You know, you often look at that little relationship. You think that was so beautiful. He walked with the call of day with God, hearing him, had a relationship with him. But the moment he chose to partake of this thing that wasn't of God, that stopped. That relationship, not that God wanted that relationship to die, but it died. And from that point onwards, God, from a distance, was looking at his creation going, oh, 
It's gone. My relationship is gone with them. He's broken because he wants to reach out. And humanity on their own cannot do a thing. Death has entered. The enemy's having his way. And the very next few passages and chapters, you'll see death has entered because now Cain's killing Abel. And, and, and then the journey and the cycle of society being destroyed from generation to generation is beginning. And we now stand here in this society and wonder why it all went wrong. Humanity. Not following God. We live in a world that wants its own ways over God's ways. And that's just the nature of Adam. You can't blame them for it. You know, it's like blaming a child for, not, for behaving badly when the parent's behaving badly. You don't blame the child. You can't say, stop doing that, but then the parent is the one doing it, telling it, it just doesn't make sense, right? Come on. This is society. We live in a world that doesn't want God. If you walk through the schools and the places, there's no talk of God because they want their own way. Their own, their own way of thinking, desire of things. And this is just the nature of Adam. But there's a, there's a, there's a, a great truth that I'm going to speak about, which is the second one. And it's the moment that the innocent plea enters humanity. See, there's a guilt plea upon all of us. We're born guilty. As children, you see it. They don't not been taught this stuff. They just do it. They act, oh, cover it up like I've just said, oh, do this. They're just, it's just in them. But there's a moment in our history... That's a very real thing that the innocent plea, plea enters humanity. And that's in Matthew 27, 45 to 54. And it's the moment that our beautiful Savior is hanging on a cross. Hanging, not because of something that he's done, but because of the bit I've just mentioned in the beginning. And I'm going to read it right through and then we're just going to... I've really got an image that God shared with me about this message. And often when you get an image, you think, oh, great, God, thanks for the image. How do I share the image you know how do I get that image out of my mind and into you because God speaks to me in pictures and it's like it takes me months trying to work out how to get the picture out of me but I want to share this picture in a minute but before I do I just want to look at this and in from verse 45 of Matthew 27 it says from noon until three three in the afternoon darkness came over all the land about three in the afternoon Jesus cried out in a loud voice forgive me for my lack of Hebrew or Greek whatever this is Eli Eli lemma sabachthani which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This people will call the great exchange. In a moment, God hanging on a tree, Jesus himself hanging on a tree, has complete separation from the Father. And he's there saying, God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing, they heard this, they said he's calling on Elijah with the words that he used. They thought that. But immediately one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes and saves him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. He died. He was broken on that cross and, he, and, he, and his spirit was given up. At that moment, just like Pastor Steve shared just a minute ago, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him were guarding Jesus, um, guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. This is incredible. In this moment, something happened that was not natural. When people die, you don't, this doesn't usually happen. Earthquake breaks, things tear apart. But what was happening was something incredible. Because what Adam got wrong, Jesus in a moment made right. And this is the most beautiful thing in all our history. 
You can talk about World War this and the Battle of Hastings and British law, whatever you want to talk about. You could, this is the greatest moment in history on the face of the earth. When our Lord and Saviour, nailed to the cross, said it is finished. Not just for a moment, forever. Forever and ever and ever into eternity and forever it is finished. See, this moment in scripture is what all scriptures pointed to. The moment in history is what the prophets were seeing but couldn't touch. They were often speaking of this coming Messiah. They were desperate to see him, looking around at Israel, thinking this is a broken mess. And they're prophesying but not able to touch it. They're seeing it afar off. How frustrating that must have been. This is the moment Jesus laid down his life, that those who believe would have eternal life. This was the plan of God, the moment Adam was to follow his son, uh, follow his own will instead of God's. The moment that happened, God wasn't going, uh, he already knew what to do. He already had a plan and it involved his son. So for those that put their faith in Jesus, we're born with guilt. We're born condemned. It's sad to think, isn't it? The moment you're born, you're born to be condemned. A beautiful little baby born just to die and have no hope. But Jesus restored all of this. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Come on, this is a great word. Saved from what? To be honest, hell and the separation from God for all eternity. This is the most crucial part, but also saved from condemnation and guilt. That comes from living according to that first Adam. You know, come on, we've all experienced it. That guilt, that shame. You're free from that. Romans 5, 18 to 19 says, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made sinners righteous come on this is good news this morning this is really good news adam's disobedience brings condemnation but jesus's obedience brings righteousness to you this morning again you didn't do anything to try and live like adam it was in you don't try and do anything to live like jesus he's in you let it be let the dna of the spirit of god pour over you and let it be who you are you know, I don't, you know, I, before I knew God, it, I could do evil because it was evil was in me. I didn't think about it. It just reacted out of me. Someone annoyed me. Doosh. Do you know what I mean? That's just the way it was. It wasn't a react. It was just a natural reaction. Well, then now I'm in Christ. Someone annoys me. I forgive them. Why? Because he's in me now. Come on, this is a normal thing, right? This is, I think I'm speaking of This is a normal thing. I shouldn't be reacting with a headbutt anymore. It should be a laying down myself and saying, that's okay. And I forgive and I forgive and I forgive because he's in me now. Colossians 1, 13 to 14 says, For he has rescued us, not will, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Come on, this is beautiful. We have been transferred from that old way of living, that dark way of living, into a light filled world and it's all from within you he lives inside of you redeemed means brought back we've been brought back brought back from that guilt-ridden life into a place of righteousness come on this is again i'm so excited for this because i believe god wants to set the fire in our hearts again to remember who we are 
2 Corinthians 5.17, probably one of the most common scriptures that's often said, but it's one of the most beautiful scriptures. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, we're in Christ, the new creations come for you. The old is gone and the new is here. Not coming, is here today. You woke up on this Sunday morning, the 31st of October. The new is here. It's with you. The old life of Adam no longer exists. It's gone. And our life is now connected with Christ. Romans 8, 1 1 to 4. Therefore there is now no condemnation. Is No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Come on, we who live according to the Spirit, are, we have righteousness, no condemnation. This is, ah, oh, come on, this is exciting. I'm going to give this picture in a minute that I felt God show me. Because um, the reality is, you say, uh, you, you could be saying, Sean, yeah, you're saying all of this, I get all of this, but why then do I still feel condemned? Why then do I wake up and feel upset of the mistakes I've made and maybe I've made the wrong decisions? Or maybe I did react at the children because that's easy to do and it's just stop it, you know, like, and you think, oh no, I've done it again. And you do it again and again and again and you think, why do I keep doing this? And you feel guilty. Come on, parents, you feel guilty sometimes, right? You feel, you react bad. You react bad about maybe the decisions you made. Maybe you told a lie. Come on, maybe, maybe you've made a mistake that way. Maybe you're watching something and you're thinking, well, why did I watch that? I shouldn't have watched that. And then for days you feel guilty or you feel upset or, you know, there could be something, something. Why does this keep happening? And I just have this picture of like a, a court hearing. And I just want to f- paint a few pictures. And I just, God gave me this beautiful image. It almost brought me to tears when I saw it and made me realise that you're free. Yeah. You're free. Amen. And the first picture... Um, and I'm going to name all these characters, and then I'm going to bring the picture together. Because I think there's power in it. And the first is the judge. In a court, there's a judge, right? I mean, he's the one at the front. He's the one that's the overseer. Um, the judge oversees the trial, makes sure everyone involved is given that opportunity to pre- present their case. That's what the judge is there. He's over- Imagine without the judge, it would be chaos. It would just be a riot. Yeah. You know, he, he wouldn't have that gavel thing. It would just be a riot in there. Funny to watch, but... Um, the reality is there's a judge. And Genesis 18 to 25, we see this moment. It's like Sodom and Gomorrah. Everyone familiar with that? It's, um, it's kicking off, isn't it? That's what's happening. And um, God's had enough. And Abraham is speaking to God about it. And he says this, Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Hey, <laughs> Abraham's speaking to God. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's like he's such a, he's a relationship because it's real. It's not some religious figure. He's having a relationship with his father. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Do you know one of the characteristics of God is judge? Yes. You know, he's our loving father, but he's a judge. Right. He's a judge and, he, and he's an overseer of the world. And he'll bring justice to your life. He'll bring justice to every situation. People won't get away with certain things. I know sometimes we think we will, but in Christ, there's a beautiful picture. But in the world... People will be brought to justice. People will be brought to a place where they have to be accountable if they're not um, following God. 
the psalmist writes it, and throughout the Psalms, you often hear um, this, the, the word judge used as God. In Psalms 50, verse 4 to 6, it says, He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth, that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together to me, those who have made a covenant with me by, by, my, by a sacrifice. Let the heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. The, Isaiah writes it as well. Isaiah says, for the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king. He will save us. Come on, it's his character. He's judge. 2 Timothy 4a, even Paul speaks of, um, the Apostle Paul speaks of God like this. He says this to Timothy, finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only me, but to those who, who, who have loved his appearing. So we've got this character that there is in this courtroom, this so-called pretend courtroom that you're visualizing with me here, that there's a judge at the front sat in that scary dock that is like, Maybe he's got one of those wigs on. I don't know. However you want to picture this judge. God is there. And then comes um, the prosecutor. The prosecutor stands one side, and we can call this Satan for this time. The prosecutor is the one that brings evidence to show the offense happened and challenge the defender's evidence he's given. He's come to challenge you. That's what he's coming to do. He's coming to challenge you. Revelation 12.10 says this of him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Listen, that's to come. And that's a foreseeing of what will happen to him. But right now, according to this, he's accusing us day and night before God. He's laying up a case of lists of all the stuff that you've done wrong and saying, but they got this wrong, they've done this wrong, they've done this wrong. And in your mind... You're hearing it. You're feeling it. I've done that wrong. I have. He's whispering those lies. He's making you feel condemned. He's making you feel guilty for all the things that you've got wrong. And he's an accuser. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 says this. Be alert of, and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. You know, he's a... He acts like a lion, he's not. He pretends he's a lion and he roars. And he's accusing you of all the things you've got wrong. Come on, we faced these feelings before, right? We felt that accusation, you know, that thing. You thought, I'd never make that mistake. I would have never done that. Why have I done that? And he gets in. The Bible says, be aware of him. Because as he gets in, he roars like a lion telling you, yes, you've done it wrong. Yes, you are condemned. Yes, you cannot be forgiven of that. Too late. It's too late. And before you know it, you're listening to that. You're repeating that. I am condemned. I've done it wrong. And then your head goes from this to this and then to this to this. And then people start looking at you thinking, what's happened in their life? Well, the reality is the enemy's got in. The accuser. Satan's agenda is to cause you to live less than what has been given and promised. He doesn't want you having this life. He doesn't want you being free. Still kill and destroy. That's his agenda. He wants to bring condemnation in your life, so he accuses us in our mind. And that can drip into every area of our life before it completely overrides us and causes us to be bound. And we found ourselves in chains, in the dock of our life, stood there, ready just to be condemned. But then there's this third character. So we have a prosecutor here who's roaring at us, like acting like some big man, just shouting at us, you've done this, you've done this, you've done this. You have the judge here who's just listening. And then you have our defense lawyer. I want to call him Jesus, savior of the world. 
The defence lawyer will speak on behalf of the defendant and present the case to say what you're not guilty of of the offence. Psalms 91, 1-2 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Come on, you have the greatest defence lawyer this world has ever known, this universe will ever know. Verse 14 says, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him, I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. Come on, this is the promises of your heavenly Father. The Lord is our defender, he is our fortress and strength. Come on, he's big, he's strong, he's almighty. He's a defender of the weak, and he defends us. You know, when you look at the woman with the issue of blood, he defended her, he healed her. When you look at the woman at the well caught in adultery, the woman caught in adultery, he defended her. He defends the weak. When you look at the amount of people that were suffering with some kind of disorder, the blind, the deaf, the lame, he healed them of their diseases because he's a defender of the weak. Come on, the demonized. Those that were oppressed and attacked by Satan himself, he released it with one word. Get out. Because he has full authority over everything. He is your defense. He is your lawyer. He's standing on your side. And so then it comes to us, the defendant, like me that time, stood in court with holding evidence. That's what he's doing over there. He's got this going on, this going on. He's, he's, telling, he's showing you all this stuff in front of your heavenly father. The stuff that you've done wrong. You're stood here, a mess. Oh, Oh no, and you're allowing those thoughts, oh, I really have done it wrong. I've, re- I've, I've mucked up. And, and you're allowing yourself to get beaten up. Maybe in your thought life. Maybe in your thought life, you're condemning yourself already and you've lost it. And the battle's in the mind. Because the Bible says that you should be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But already, if you've lost it here, your outward living is now lost and you're now defeated. You're defeated. But you're not. But the enemy has, like a roaring lion, made you think so. And then comes that bit, like I said at the beginning, the verdict. The bit that gets spoken over you, the bit that's going to either condemn you to death uh, and you're going to feel like rubbish for the rest of your days or you're going to hear that beautiful word that I said at the beginning. And here in this moment, I just get this beautiful picture that the judge is here, you're stood here, he's there giving it some and your defence lawyer is here. And you look up at the Heavenly Father and he's about to give a verdict. But in that very split moment, your defense lawyer gets up at the seat, stands in front of you, covers you and holds his hand up. And the cross, the nails, the hole and the blood is upon him and upon you. And in that split second, everything changes. Everything changes. In that moment, your Heavenly Father doesn't see you in all your sin. He sees his son as a righteous sacrifice on your behalf. And he says these words, and these are the most beautiful words. This is what I said in Romans 5, 16 in the Passion Translation. This is what I read and and what jumped out me. And this free-flowing gift imparts to us much more than what was given to us through the one who sinned. For because of one transgression, we are all facing a death sentence with a verdict of guilty. But this gracious gift leaves us free from many failures. Many failures. Free from many failures. Listen to me this morning. You are free from many failures. And brings us into perfect righteousness of God. Listen. Acquitted with the words not guilty. Come on. You are not guilty this morning. 
You have stood the trial of your life in the dock of your life, a mess, not knowing what to do. And your saviour, the defence lawyer of all the world, has stood in front of you and covered you with his righteousness. His blood has covered you. And listen, not only this, you think you're going to be condemned to death, but God convicts you of one thing, righteousness. You go in thinking you're going to get convicted for punishment for all eternity, some kind of prison sentence. But instead, you are convicted, but of righteousness. Oh, what the enemy uses for bad, God will always turn for good. He stood there like a roaring lion trying to bring you down, but he has nothing on you because your defense lawyer has stood in front of you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Listen, this is what God says to you. Well, who the sun sets free is free indeed, and you stand up out of that place and go, wow, I didn't expect this. And then he says this to you, my son, my daughter, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is my love for you. As far as the east is to the west, so far have I moved my transgressions or your transgressions from you. They're gone. And you're stood up in court that day going, "Woo! come on, I'm free. I'm free. Doesn't matter what he's saying. Doesn't matter the mistakes you've made. You're free this morning. You're free to do everything that you're meant to do in God, in Christ. You have everything. You have been given everything. Come on. This is the most incredible thing that I see in my life is that, (coughs) yes, I am guilty. But the guilt was put on him. The guilt of Adam, the guilt of my birth, the guilt of what I, is in me is not mine anymore. All things have become new. The old is gone. The death of Adam. Yes, he could have had something on me if I wasn't in Christ. But in Christ, I stand redeemed, righteous, sanctified and set apart, made holy for the goodness of God. There's nothing a word can be put on me to make that any less. What God says goes. So you are free this morning. Don't believe that. Don't believe that you're not. Don't believe that, what, that you're not free. You need to take hold of that. Those chains are not on you anymore in your mind. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for the wrong maybe you've caused. Forgive yourself. There's two paths that we can live as I bring this to an end. And maybe, um, Helen, can I get you on the keys? We can live according to the flesh and we can carry on living that life. You know the life where you make random decisions based on not caring, just whatever you want to do, very carnal. very. And that leads, according to Romans uh, 8, it leads to death. Death in your life. You'll never see fruit in your life when all you're doing is living from the carnal part of who you are, making rash decisions. But God brings us in to this place of life and peace and it's the life of the spirit it's the one in relationship with him as our savior it's the place where we stand daily victorious as i've just said with him covering us with his blood no weapon fashioned against you shall prosper every tongue that rises against you shall be condemned come on this is what the word of god says the enemy's roaring but your god has got you but hey maybe today you don't know god you're thinking what i don't know jesus i don't know him i am stood in the dock of my life on my own Well, then that can change in a moment. It changed for me 12, 13 years ago just by simply saying a prayer, simply coming to Jesus and putting my hand and saying, I believe in you, Jesus. My life was transformed and I was never the same again. So maybe that's you today and we're going to pray in a moment and I'm going to invite anyone into this relationship. But also maybe we're going to pray after that as well for those that maybe you're battling with guilt. Maybe you're here and you're like, ah, I just can't shift it. I believe God's going to remove it from you today. Supernaturally, it's just going to be taken off of you like a, like a cover off of a bed ripped off. And you're going to be free. You're going to feel that freedom. It's there in you. You're just going to feel it. It's going to manifest in your life. So why don't we just bow our heads and close our eyes and you can just pray this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for me. I am not guilty. I am righteous in you. I believe in you, Jesus. And I accept you in my life. Amen. If that's you and you've prayed that for the first time, coming back to God, just do one thing. And for me, just raise your hand so I can pray for you. Is there anyone here today that wants to come back to God? You all know God. Amazing. Well, we're just going to pray now. And what I want to do, you can stay in this atmosphere. And I just want anyone that know this past week or past month, there's maybe something for years that you've been struggling to be receiving forgiveness for. That I believe in this moment, God's going to just lift it off of your life. And if that's you, we're going to pray. And I just want you to just lift up. Maybe even stand up. Maybe just stand up or lift your hand. If that's you in this place and you just, you just know you need this guilt removed from your life. Is there anyone here? Why don't we just stand together? That's it. Yeah, let's all just stand in this moment. Yes, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you that who the Son sets free is free indeed. Heavenly Father, we stand before you today blameless, innocent and set free. Not to do what we want to do, but to live in your spirit and have relationship with you. To live in the victory that you have for us. Father, I thank you that you've redeemed us and brought us back. Heavenly Father, I pray this week when the accusations may come, that Lord will remember, will remember everything that you did for us and that we're covered by your blood. And as far as the east is to the west, you're speaking that over us. So far have our transgressions been removed from your sight. Father, I thank you that we stand before you blameless and not guilty. And the victory is always yours. We bless your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Fantastic.